Well, good morning, Summit Church. Good to see you this morning. So glad you could join us on Facebook Live as we just continue our Overcome series. So glad, again, you're here. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a friend, grab a spouse, grab the kids, and just come on, join us. Hey, listen, I just want to also tell you uh, that if you are able to make it, uh, we have relocated, in case you haven't heard, to the uh, big red metal building just north of 98 on the Foley Beach Express, which um, is called the Gulf Coast, Alabama Gulf Coast Music Hall. And we've been having a good time there. A lot of room there. They seat about a thousand people. So we, we spread everybody out really nicely and makes great social distancing happen. And we can do that a lot better than where we were before. So we encourage you to come to services, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, if you can make it. God bless. But hey, listen, um, we had some we had some great times this past week. We had 14 different people baptized uh, in the Gulf last Sunday night. We had a wonderful time. A little cold, but it was great. And uh, God was there and seeing some transformation take place in some lives. And speaking of baptism, don't know if you heard about the, the uh, young preacher who was down the river preaching, and he was just having a good old time. And as he was down there, there was a drunk man just kind of wandering by. And he says to the drunk man, hey, sir, you want to find Jesus? The drunk man says, absolutely. So the drunk man stumbles down there to the, to the water, and into the water he comes. And so the preacher puts him down under the water, brings him back up, and he said, did you find Jesus? The drunk man said, no, sir. And so he said, well, let's try it again. And so the preacher put him down under the water a second time. Did you find Jesus? No, sir. And finally, he said, well, let's do it again. One more time. Come on. And he puts him down under the water. Did you find Jesus? The drunk man comes back up out of the water. He goes, no, sir. And I'm not quite sure he's down there. <laughs> oh, my. Well, listen, I want to jump into our message this morning. And as I mentioned, we in a series called Overcome. And I truly believe that overcoming is not a who, but, excuse me, is a who, but not a do. Overcoming is a who more than it is a do. Overcoming is to know the one who overcame. And so we are talking about that, and we took the book of Revelation, the first two and three chapters, chapter two and three of Revelation. John's speaking to the seven different churches there in Revelation. And with each church, he has like a, you know, an encouragement, and then he has like um, a challenge, uh, and then another encouragement to follow, great means of communication if you're wondering how to communicate to people in hard times. But we picked out um, specifically the church of Pergamum, and um, I, I want to just read this passage of Scripture this morning before we jump in and uh, just, uh, just soak in the Word. Here's what um, the Lord is speaking to the church there of Pergamum. Now, you have to understand Pergamum is uh, in the Roman Empire, and they're going through a lot of persecution at that time. Pergamum is a, a very beautiful city, uh, second um, probably most important city of that area at that time. It had um, a big, nice library, three huge uh, temples of heathens, gods, their gymnasiums for everybody available. Uh, it was just uh, one of those situations or cities that, that uh, was growing, thriving on the cutting edge. And so this is what the Lord says to the church, to the Christians, to the body of Christ there in Pergamum. To the angel of the church of Pergamon, I write, these are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, 
where Satan has his throne. It was a very difficult, challenging place to live. Yet you remain true, loyal, there's the compliment, to my name. And you did not renounce your faith when they put to death Antipas, uh, my faithful witness in your city where Satan lives. But nevertheless, here comes the correction. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Um, there are some, some people among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. And likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you. I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, or the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to those who receive it. So here we have this this church that uh, John is writing to, and he says, uh, uh, listen, I, I, I want to let you know that, that uh, if you overcome, you're going to receive uh, hidden manna and a white stone. Are you kidding me? I'm overcoming. I'm, ch- I, I'm rising to uh, the challenge, and I get, all I get is, a, is some bread and, and a stone. What is up with that? Well, I want to unpack that a little bit because I really believe there's a lot of powerful stuff in that. Um, but it, uh, first, before I get into it, let me just challenge you. Man, be an overcomer. Put God first in your life. Um, that's what overcoming really is, and we'll see that in a second. Um, we have elections coming up. Uh, incredible time of, uh, our, of our history, of our government system. And I just encourage you to, to get out there. I encourage you to vote. I encourage you to vote um, for individuals and those that represent the Christian values, the Judeo-Christian values that our forefathers um, established years ago. I, I have in my office a painting, and my office uh, desk faces uh, a wall. And above my wall, the thing that I see probably more than any other thing uh, during the week is a painting. It's my favorite painting of all. It's a painting written, uh, not not written, but a painting that was um, uh, painted about the founding fathers in September 1774 in Philadelphia, the Continental Congress, at the hall there, what we was was known as as um, as the the the, the continent uh, the Carpenters Hall there in Philadelphia. And they had Episcopalians, um, Congregationalists, uh, Presbyterians, Quakers, Anabaptists. The room was full of people, godly men, godly people that were from all the colonies, and they were trying to decide what kind of government they were going to establish. And it was there the first thing of business, first item of business was the proposal was made, hey, let us start the meetings with prayer. And they didn't even agree about that. One person, a godly man, said, well, I I like prayer, not against prayer, but we have so many different types of, you know, beliefs here. I think it's going to be hard to even find someone to even pray. And it was John Adams that stood up and goes, look, I don't care who it is. If they claim to know the Lord Jesus, if they claim to and walk what they preach, 
I'll listen to a prayer from anybody. And they all agreed. And so they said they called on a man by a Pastor Duche, and he came and he led them in a prayer. And it was the first act of business done by all these people that were getting ready to hammer out our great form of government. And I have a picture of those people. Uh, that painting is those founding fathers, some on their knees, some standing in reverence, all of them praying, seeking the Lord. Pastor Duche actually, uh, after he read Psalms 35, led out in an extemporaneous prayer. And it, they said it was such a powerful, eloquent, but passionate prayer that tears rolled down the cheeks of these men as they realized <clears throat> they were in a very strategic moment of history. And John Adams would write to his wife Abigail later that day about that moment and said, I have never been in a moment seemingly as holy as that moment there. So God was all about our country, and as we continue to lead forward in this next generation, uh, we need to remember that our country was founded on prayer, founded on righteousness, holiness, and that is how we let our vote be guided. So just an encouragement as we make our way into this very important moment. Let's go back into our word and let's talk about this hidden manna. What is so significant about hidden manna? Well, if you understand anything about the Old Testament, you, you know that there was only one place where people could find God at that time. And it was in the ark. It was at the tabernacle of Moses. God would come down and he would camp out in the place called the Holy of Holies. Now, the tabernacle of Moses, where basically you would say the community church was for the entire nation of Israel, three million people, it was right there in the center of their camping um, area. And they would come to the tabernacle of Moses, they'd make a sacrifice in the outer court on the brazen uh, altar. They would wash that sacrifice, the priest would, in the brazen laver. He would make his way into the second place, kind of behind a curtain, where it was um, lit up by the golden candlestick, and then also there was some perfume uh, there on the altar of incense, as well as a table with bread on the left, uh, the table of showbread. And then behind, then there was another curtain. And behind that curtain was the Ark of the Covenant. It is where God dwelt, literally. It was no, there was no light there in that room. It was totally dark. And the only light came from God's presence himself. They called it the Shekinah glory. And it was there, it was a box, basically, with two angels, cherubims, with wings touching each other on, on the top of that uh, box. And there inside of that box, the Ark of the Covenant, was three things inside, kind of like our cabinet would be. There was the golden, um, excuse me, there was the... Um, uh, the, tabernacle, uh, the Ten Commandments, excuse me. There was the um, um, almond rod but that had budded from Aaron's um, scenario. That happened a few years later after they got into the wilderness. Aaron's rod that budded. And the last thing was the um, a, a bowl of manna. They called it the hidden manna. Some leftover manna they collected, put in a golden bowl, and said, we're going to carry this with us wherever we go as a reminder of God's faithfulness. But, so this hidden manna, God said to the Pergamum church, going a little deep here, I know, you're, I know you can handle it. He says, I'm going to give you, if you overcome, if you choose to, to make me um, your God and your Lord, I'm going to give you the right to eat 
of the hidden manna. That hidden manna is really what we find is the presence of the Lord, right? It's, it's being placed right there where God is. Hidden manna, God, the holy of holies. And it's, we eat upon Christ. Jesus said, if you want to live, you know, if you want life, eat of me. I am the bread of life. And, and so we find that the hidden manna, Jesus, God says, is, if you overcome, I'm going to give you the opportunity to live the rest of your life with the presence of the Almighty, God, myself. That's what hidden manna is. That's incredible. What an incredible gift that God would give us if we overcome. If we choose to do right, not wrong, we choose righteousness over unrighteousness. If, if we avoid the, the trap of the Nicolaitans and the teachings of Balaam, which were what? Which was basically Jesus plus, you know, Jesus plus, you know, whatever else I want to add to it. It wasn't Jesus and only Jesus. It was Jesus plus the culture that I lived in. And that's what God had ought against with, with these certain people of that group of Christians in Pergamum. They, they, were, they were adding everything else to Jesus. And Jesus said, look, no, it's not everything else plus me. It's me and only me. And with that, when you live that kind of life, where, where, what Jesus said? He said, look, love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. If you live that kind of life, then you get to experience the incredible presence of God walking with you on a daily basis. That's the hidden manna <laughs> that it was being told to the church of Pergamon as a promise. And on top of that, he said, not only will I give you the right to eat the hidden manna, but also give you a white stone. A white stone. What in the world? Why would I want a white stone? What good is that for me? Well, you have to understand, the Bible is just full of symbolism. I believe that's why Revelations was written last, is the last chapter, because you have to read the first 65 books to understand the symbolism that's filled there in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And so we see that God is going to give the church a white stone, a white stone. Man, that's powerful. So let's look at this. What, what, what's powerful about a white stone? Well, let me say this before we even jump into that. Did you know that every stone has a crack in it? Every stone, every, every rock has a crack in it. It has a crack. Some kind of pressure came and created a crack. Now, there was a story about Jesus coming into Jerusalem in the last week of his life. And children and young people and others were yelling and screaming, Messiah, Hosanna, who comes in the name of the Lord, praising him. And the, some of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, came to Jesus and said, you need to tell them to stop. That's not right. No one should be uh, talking to you like you're a king or something like that. That's wrong. And Jesus said, you need to let these people, and especially these young people, praise me. Because if they don't praise me, he says, the rocks will cry out. <laughs> the rocks will praise me. Well, what does that mean? Did you know that when Jesus took his last breath, I have it here. When Jesus took his last breath, the Bible says in Matthew 27, Jesus shouted out again and released his spirit. Chapter 27 of Matthew, verse 50. And at that moment, the curtain, the Holy of Holies, I just mentioned to you, was in the temple was torn in two, not from bottom to top, from top to bottom, meaning that God did this work. And get this. 
the earth shook, and we don't realize this, and the rocks split apart. Think about that. The rocks split apart. And every rock you pick up and you put in your hand and you see a little crack in it, it's a testimony of what Jesus did on the cross. It is screaming redemption. It is yelling at you. Look at what God did for you. He loves you so much. He gave you his best gift, his son. And now you can be restored to God your Father. Even those stones will cry out, Jesus said. Wow. This is amazing. This is amazing. So a white stone. What is significant about a white stone? Number one, the high priests, when they would go into the Holy of Holies that I mentioned one time a year to make atonement for the sins of the people for that past year, he had a breastplate and it had different stones on it. One of the stones it had was a white stone. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? What it means is that, that overcomers gain an audience with God. When God gives you a white stone, what he's saying is, I'm giving you permission to come into my presence. Number two, the white stone was given to a man accused of a crime and now has been found to be innocent. Well, once you came, became a criminal and you were um, put into jail, they would, they would brand you. Criminals were always branded the moment they went into jail. Well, upon a trial, finding now that you're not a criminal, um, well, what are you going to do about the branding? They put the branding on as a form of if you ever escaped, we'd be able to find you and bring you back to jail. Well, there's some people that have been found innocent, obviously, but now they've been branded. And let me say it like this. They, they have they've fallen short. They have become imprisoned by um, sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. To some degree, we've all been branded, haven't we? And yet, guess what? Jesus comes, and because of him, we are now made innocent. We receive that white stone. And so when the guilty man, who is now innocent, is out in the community, and they go, hey, I see your brand. I, I see you've you got that, that brand on your arm, your shoulder, wherever. Uh, you're, you've escaped from jail. We're going to take you back in. He would take out of his pocket a white stone. And that white stone was his proof from the Roman Empire that he was guilty, they thought, but has been found innocent. Aren't you glad that you've been given a white stone of innocence? Number three, the white stone was given to a slave who had been set free. Once the slave had worked off his years or months or whatever was agreed upon, then he was set free. And and so, as too, he had also become branded. And so, as a result, they would give him a stone. And wherever he went, when someone said, hey, you need to go back to so-and-so's, you, you know, you're an escaped slave. He'd go, no, I was a slave, but now I've been set free. Do you see the symbolism? Do you see the significance of just a white stone? It's not just one, it's not just a, I'm given a rock because I'm overcoming. It is access to the very position and presence of God. Number four, a white stone was given to an Olympic winner, uh, the winner of an Olympic Games. They had Olympic Games even back then is where it started. And, 
And they would, the winner of the Olympic game was given, um, a, a, you know, a crown of, of, of leaves, which would, uh, the wreath would, would be dead in three days. But also he was given a white stone. And a white stone with a seal on it. And for the rest of his life, he had access to the Roman Empire treasury and didn't have to pay taxes. <laughs> that was his reward for winning the race. And it, let me just say, it just wasn't a normal race. It wasn't the fastest person to the finish line wins. It was the fastest person to the finish line still holding his torch with the flame still burning. That's why when the Olympic Games are about to begin, they bring in this man running with a flame, uh, torch with a flame. It goes all the way back to those days. Can I just tell you that life isn't a sprint. It's really a long, long race. And God has given you a fire. He has given you access to his word. And you can run the race, as Paul said, that was set before him. We can run the race, and we can run it with a fire, and the fire never goes out. Well, the white stone was also given to a person as an invitation to a banquet or to a meal from a friend. It was a, it, well, they didn't have paper like we do back then. And so they couldn't write, you know, invitations and send them all out. It wasn't mail systems like we know today. But they would take a white rock and they would send it with the messenger. And the messenger would go to someone's house. He would open the door. He would hand him a rock and say, you know, Joe Smith uh, over on the other side of town, your friend or your uncle has invited you to a great banquet he's about to have in three days at noon. Love to have you come. It was an invitation to a friend, to a guest. Guess what? Isn't that what Jesus has done? He's invited us to come and to eat and have a feast with him, to sit down with him and to partake of him. We all have been given a white stone, an invitation at any time we want to come and to enjoy a feast of his presence. And number six, a white stone was sometimes cut in half. And when one friend was going to leave and go away for a period of time, they would take that white stone, cut it in half, and one that was staying would keep one half, and the other that was leaving would take the other. And they would, he would always have it with him. And when his friend would come back from the long journey, perhaps months or years from that point, perhaps it would be at nighttime, be at, be at three in the morning, he would take that half of that stone, he would slip it underneath the door of his friend's house, and his friend would get up and would see that on the other side of the door is his friend because he has the matching stone that they had both had um, uh, years ago. What, I, what, is, what am I saying to us? I'm saying that Jesus has the other half of the stone. And he said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back with my presence as a king. I'm going to come back for my bride. I'm going to come back for the church. And he has the other half of the stone. And lastly, the white stone was given to a son by his father whenever the father had to go out of town for a long period of time. The son 
would take his father's stone and it would give him the authority to make transactions or do business in behalf of his father while his father's gone. Isn't that powerful? Think about that for a second. You've been given access to the father's resources and power. He's given you a white stone. He says, to him who overcomes, I will give a white stone with his name, with, with his name written on it. Whose name? Jesus' name written on it. You have a stone with your father's, Jesus, as the son written on it. And he says, lastly, in that passage in Revelation, this stone will be given to whoever receives it. So today I ask you, will you receive that stone? Will you receive the stone that's been given to you by the work of Jesus on the cross and all that goes with it? Will you receive the hidden manna? Will you find yourself positioned with the Lord Jesus in a secret place? And will you allow yourself to enjoy the remnants or the beautiful gifts that God gives us by just dwelling with him? Oh, what a rich passage to him that overcomes. You're an overcomer. I know you are. You're one that desires to separate himself or herself from the world. You're one that desires to be different. You're one that desires to know God and him and Jesus and him crucified. You're that person. And I believe so am I. And so for that, we've been given something very precious, hidden manna and a white stone with his name written on it to all that receive it. Will you receive it today? Will you receive that white stone today? Will you receive that hidden manna today? It's there. It's just waiting for you to receive. You don't have to work for it. Aren't you glad about that? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go jump through hoops to get it. It's there, just waiting, available for you. A white stone, hidden manna, access to the very treasures of God, the realm of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the purposes of God, all of that is for you. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends that are with me today. I thank you for the promises you've given us to him who overcomes. And Lord, we receive that today. We receive the hidden man and we receive the white stone, the truths that are packed into those two little comments, all that goes with it. We thank you, Lord God, that we can receive your presence. We can walk in your presence, that you have set us free from crimes and you know, we've lived as criminals. We've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We set us all free of that. And Lord, we, we've received the white stone, Lord God. We've been given the right to come and eat and dine with you. And we've been given the right to, to interact and tra do transactions in your behalf. You've, you've given us, Lord, everything we need. And you're our friend and you're coming back and you're bringing that stone with you. And you're going to join your stone with our stone. Father, thank you. Thank you for all of that that you are doing, have done, and will continue to do. Father, if there's someone watching today and they need you to be their Lord and their Savior, I just pray for them right now. My friend, if that is you, I just ask you to pray this prayer with me. You say, I, I want to know Jesus. Would you pray this prayer? Right, say it right there where you're at, out loud. Say it. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord. I recognize I now have access 
to your presence. Make me your child today by faith. I thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God, man. So good to see you guys this morning. If you prayed that prayer, go to our website, summitchurch.tv slash connect. And man, just fill out that little card and tell, tell us, man, we I accepted Christ right there online. And we want to just send you some things in the mail, stay in touch with you. And for everyone else, thank you so much for watching with us today. We love you so much with all of our heart and um, looking forward to seeing what God's about to do in the near future through our access to hidden manna and a white stone. God bless you. Have a great, great day.